Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Trail, from New Hampshire to the White House. Anyone who wants to be president has to come through New Hampshire first, and no one covers New Hampshire politics like WMUR. I'm WMUR political director Adam Sexton, and we hope you can join us every week for this podcast. He was late into the 2020 race due to his daughter's grueling but successful battle with brain cancer. Now, Joe Sestak is trying to make up for lost time on the campaign trail by spending almost the entire month of October here in New Hampshire. The former three-star admiral and congressman is our guest this morning. Admiral Sestak, thanks for being Good here. Good to be back with you, Adam. Thanks. So uh, your leadership resume is uh, off the charts uh, in, in terms of this race, uh, but you're getting in late, as we noted. So what are you going to do here in New Hampshire to try and rattle things, uh, you know, grab some attention and some headlines? Well, for about three and a half weeks, we have at least 60 events set up. But a week from today, Sunday, a week from today, I'm going to be getting at Chesterfield, right on the Vermont border, to walk 105 miles across the Granite State, all the way to Portsmouth. I mean, that Portsmouth Harbor looks out on the Atlantic, and that was the ship where I sailed across to combat in the Persian Gulf. But along the way, I'm going to be meeting people, people of New Hampshire. I'm going to meet parents who have autistic children, going into senior uh, assistance living places. I'm going to try to meet those that are manufacturers. I'm going to try to see vet. I'm going to a home for vets that are homeless. I want to see the challenges that the people of New Hampshire are facing. The reason for that is I did this when I ran for the Senate. It's 422 miles across Pennsylvania because I found out that people not just want to know about me. Do you know what I'm going through and what needs to be done? I'm also doing it because I honestly do believe, Adam, that the most important thing this next president of the United States must do is unite this country, where he must be for people, understanding people, above self, above party, above any special interest. If we don't unite this country, there is no way to meet the defining challenges of our time. And you know, I'm going to meet some of the most wonderful people here walking across this granite state. And I can't wait to begin. I hope people will join me. Give us a broad sense of your politics. For instance, where do you stand on Medicare for All? Well, I do believe that it's just like the fishing ports here in New Hampshire. We've got to get rid of the middleman. They got rid of the middleman by selling the fish to themselves and then selling it to the Boston market. I want to get finally rid ourselves of the health insurance agencies, but do it in a thoughtful, pragmatic way, because in the military you learn piss-poor planning gets piss-poor execution. So I'm for public option. But 255 million Americans are in some form of private health insurance, like myself, even though I'm military, previous military, is we want to give them a choice to get into it. And as it works, then we move them towards single payer, where it gets to where you pay the private hospital directly from the government. I got a $300,000 bill initially from a health insurance company when my daughter had brain cancer this last time, which delayed me, as you mentioned, getting in in June. I had to appeal it because we had to set aside the first 50,000, but we didn't need that to happen. Luckily, she got into a safe harbor with that drug. So I want to work for that for all people, but how you treat them as you take care of people is important. So let's make sure you just don't rip out what they have, move us thoughtfully towards it, and then we bypass the movement if it proves itself to be less expensive, better quality, and easier access for all. National security is based upon, I believe, something that begins at home, health security, and every American needs it. How about gun policy? We see Beto O'Rourke calling for uh, mandatory buybacks of AR-15s. How does that play uh, where you're from in Pennsylvania? Well, Pennsylvania, we've got some of the greatest hunters <laughs> around, and I respect that. When I was captain of a ship that was built up in, up in Maine, and I took it to the Persian Gulf, everybody owned a gun. I said, bring it aboard. 
and I towed on Sunday afternoon, stop for a while, let them just rest. And they'd ping out their guns and I'd tow a sled that had a silhouette of a deer on it. I do believe that every individual wants a gun for hunting or physical safety should have it. It's a constitutional right, but I also don't want those weapons, those semi-automatics, some call them assault weapons, that I went with my troops as an admiral onto other ships there to see for contraband because I wanted to go out with my troops, my people. I don't want those on the streets of America. Deaths of police officers plummeted near zero in the 90s when we had a ban on them. But I want, am I, on my walk across Pennsylvania, I'm going to try to go to the Manchester Gun Show to show them you're great Americans. But you know, we need some background checks to make sure that people do not get the, who shouldn't have guns, don't get them. And yes, it can be a voluntary buyback for those assault weapons. But you know, they bought them legally under the law at the moment, and you just don't mandate it coming back. But I do believe that Americans can come to a common sense approach upon this, respecting gun owners, but also respecting that it's gotten beyond the pale to have so many massacres occur. Obviously, your national security experience is extensive, uh, and you have a lot of expertise in cybersecurity. So what areas of our national defense, or lack thereof in that regard, worry you most right now? It is humongous where we are not focused on the true national security threats. China is an emerging authoritarian world order where it's already forced two ports to give it overseas naval bases and where we have lost according to the commander of the Pacific Ocean command of the seas in the Western Pacific to China but that we have to transform our military to one that you brought up cyberspace it is the new domain of warfare if you own cyberspace you can control the commons of the seas and the commons of the air because you can jam that, sat, that uh, radar on a ship, and you don't even have to have two aircraft carriers trying to send 20 bombs into it. We need a tr defense reform, a better military, literally at less cost, but also corporate-wise. If you have an Android phone today, it's programmed with Chinese software, and everything you say is going back to China. They are building in their Belt and Road Initiative what they call a digital road. Every country has to be mandated to sign up for this new 5G network. And while it's confusing, even to me, when I really got into this, is if you build that network that every wireless will go through, whether it's a phone or anything else, they will see everything. They don't have to even any longer hack $300 billion a year that they're taking from us. You can go right in and steal artificial intelligence or virtual business meeting information. But it also could be used in warfare attentions to go back the other way and close down all the electronics on a dam, for instance, and cause massive damage. We need to wake up because our corporations are outsourcing not just our jobs, but our national security to China, because that's where 90% of computers and mobile phones are made is the technical supply charts. And as Bloomberg has asserted, they've even slipped microchips in to listen in to Aegis cruisers where the servers are and Amazon servers and uh, and Apple. This is a big change. I know we've got other issues to resolve, like China. We shouldn't have broken our word. They had, we had rid them of that nuclear warfare capability. They would have had two nuclear devices in, in 60 days. We rid them of that. And now we broke our word and we're going to use our military. People need to understand if you're commander in chief, military stop problems. We don't fix them. We can stop them. And if you're going to use our military, you better know how it's going to end. 
before you begin. As senators, Democrats and Republicans didn't know when they voted for that war in Iraq. Presidential politics can be tough. I'm curious, how does it compare to Pentagon politics? Ah, there is politics in both places. I can remember once when an Air Force colonel said, I think he was joking, you know, right after the Soviet Union, and after, excuse me, right after the Navy, the Soviet Union is our worst enemy because, you know, it's a budget fight for things. Yeah, there's politics, absolutely, at the highest level at times. I get it. But, you know, I've enjoyed politics in the real world because I think except for war, and I was in combat, that you see politics, uh, you see human nature most raw in politics except for that war. You see people who really have concerns, a mom with an autistic child, somebody who has lost their job and doesn't have the skill to get retrained into for the next job. That's why I proposed, yes, I can fix uh, uh, student loans without just forgiving them all. There's a smart program where you limit how much they have to pay back every year. But think about the 65% of Americans that haven't gone to college, and yet they're the artisans, the ones with their minds and their hands that work very hard to make our economy go, and they lose their job because they're kicked out of a coal mine. Why don't we have training for a lifetime where they're trained for another higher skilled job as they lose it, such as green manufacturing. We spend less than any developed nation on labor force training. I want to change that. But the whole point of this is, that's politics. Understanding, as I walk across the state, what are the needs of people? And that's, I want to tell them about what I believe it is and hopefully gain their support. All right, Admiral Sestak, thanks for joining us here on Close Up. Adam. We'll look forward to uh, seeing you there out on the highways. Uh, you're probably going to go through a couple pairs of shoes, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me aboard. We appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us for WMUR's The Trail, from New Hampshire to the White House. If you have a moment and can write a review or subscribe to this podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it. You can also find us on WMUR.com and our free WMUR app 24-7. See you for the next episode of this podcast next week.